The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Sai, and joining me as always is my partner in time, Mr. Benny Mack. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Sai. Always as per usual, I'm about to cough as you start talking, so I've turned my mic down. (laughs) (laughs) It's brilliant, isn't it? The amount of times that, I mean, uh, people are aware that I, I do various podcasts uh, and you do many shows, live shows and so on as well. And it's incredible, isn't it? The amount of times that you're talking, I suppose, what some people refer to as the pre-record. And then we'll have a bit of a chat and we'll just yeah. say, how you doing, mate? And, you know, how's things? What you've been up to? How's work? And all the usual gumph. And then we'll go, OK, ready to go. Three, two, one. Do the intro. And that's straight away where my throat will make a funny noise you'll want to cough um the dog will start barking uh there'll be a helicopter flying past or whatever yeah. it's, it's amazing how it's often always, that happens me and jack had so many problems on nothing in the show we we're about to record at his place and like live with the video and stuff and all of a sudden they started mowing the lawn i, was, I remember yes yeah so we were like for god's sake you know and the mics don't necessarily pick it up but to us it's like we're thinking are you picking up? I mean, there's literally, as we're recording now, so there's a kid screaming outside. Literally, there's been absolutely dead silent out there. As soon as you said <laughs> three, two, one, record, I wanted to cough and a kid started screaming outside the window. So whether you can hear that, I am. No, not. no, no, there's no, no, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing. I can hear nothing of that. I'm actually amazed. I mentioned the dog barking. Um, uh, it, 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 my dog is not barking. But as I was saying that, funnily enough, my wife is returning home with my daughters from the school run. Normally, my dog goes ballistic, but he's completely silent. So oh, now, I'm a, now I'm a little concerned as to what he's up to you know, so. <laughs> i was just say he knows your uh, recording waiting room that's all well maybe <laughs> <Stop>. maybe <laughs> on today's episode of the waiting room we are taking in the quantum leap episode from season two episode 21 entitled sea bride sam has leapt into the 3rd of june 1954 Uh, And is uh, he basically leapt into an individual named Philip. And the first time we see Sam, he is in, I guess, an old school ship's cabin. Um, He looks out the little porthole window and sees the Statue of Liberty. So obviously they're sailing from New York. And he's greeted by a lady in a wedding dress, basically effectively smashing through the cabin door, kissing him and then giving him a slap. So, yeah. So when you watched this back, Benny, this intro before we get to the actual show's theme and so on, uh, did this ring any further bells to you of what was going to happen in this episode? Or is it one that's still a little bit of a, I suppose, you know, wait and see? I actually rate this one. I mean, I, did, I don't remember all of it, obviously, but I actually I've, I've always rated this one as actually quite a good episode. Um, and I will say after this watch through, I probably have probably going to say the same but in terms of remembering i I, re- I remember the general gist of the story but the main thing i remember from this is sam hanging from a uh thing over some garbage which i think is the picture you've shared on social media anyway so it's quite a right yes. to pick that really because we haven't talked about that necessarily but it's something that you've picked up from the episode as well based on the social media post so but um again i don't remember all of it um but i but yeah the, the slap almost well this woman walks in and in a wedding dress 
is like really happy to see whoever Sam is, kisses him, then slaps him. So it's a very mis- <laughs> mixed signals going on from literally the moment it starts. With. Yes. <laughs> and we get the old boy and then the music hits, as always. Um, something you notice as well when the uh, the opening graphics and, and so on are being played and you get the, the title of the episode and, and so on, is that this episode was written by Deborah Pratt. Now, we've had a few episodes of hers already, to shall we say mixed responses there was one or two we thought were really good and then there was one that we weren't too keen on but something i've started to notice with regards to the episodes written by uh, ms pratt is that they can be quite dialogue heavy and in the past i've kind of found some of those a bit hard going not that i i don't want to sit down and have character building and background to the story or anything like that but sometimes they don't move quite as quickly for me as they need to this one here, however, I still feel is pretty dialogue heavy, but the pacing of the episode, it, to me, is spot on. I there's there's humour. I picked up on the exact same. I thought the I, I, you know what? I must have blanked on Deborah Pratt's name coming up. To be honest with you, I didn't realise she wrote it because I think she wrote a portrait of a Trojan as well. Yeah. Um. So, but um. Yeah. Um. The because we've talked about a few episodes where we felt that either there's not enough or there's too much. Or not mm. like things on screen that we want to know about, I guess, as pe- of his viewers. Sorry, um, but yeah, pacing. You've picked up on what I picked up on. I thought this episode from start to finish, it didn't feel like forty-five minutes. It felt almost like a half an hour episode. It was over before I, w- I was ready for it to be over, which is, I suppose, a good thing because you want more of the more of the same. But yeah, heavy dialogue. I didn't really pick up on, but yeah, I suppose it is really. Yeah, and the the pacing of it as well. I think that. There's quite a lot going on character-wise and dialogue-wise with regards to, I suppose, the scripting of the episode. There's quite a bit of action. There's quite a bit of drama. There's obviously the romance aspect, which we're going to get into. But there's also quite a few moments of humour as well. And it doesn't feel like any one particular uh, type of mood or type of story sort of overpowers anything else they all it all kind of has a role to play in this particular episode i think yeah again nothing based on i mean we're about to talk about it obviously but nothing i think we've just got high praise for this episode there's nothing in terms of dialogue and story nothing felt out of place nothing felt random nothing felt like why are they doing that it all felt just natural i guess so good writing Mm. basically yeah and yeah. good, well, and good acting. To be fair, there are a few moments where it feels a little bit like a, I don't know what the right era is to say, but like a 1950s black and white romantic film in places. Right. But it's got those vibes to it because of what they're talking about and what's happening. Um, especially the actress that plays, um, uh, so it's Sam's left. I can't remember his name. Demont, isn't it? He's left. Yeah, Philip. Philip yes, Philip Demont, and um, uh, is it Catherine? Yes, Catherine. Yep. If um, he, he's marrying, she's got those classic 50s, 60s actress. She could be, do you know what? She could almost be like a, uh, for me, almost like a Marilyn Monroe era actress, if that makes sense. Uh, I wonder if that was an intentional thing because of where, you know, this is that this is set in 1954. Yeah. So I wonder if that was an intentional aspect to, to how this character was either written or portrayed. Um, well, that would make, I suppose that would make sense, then, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> So, Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, as, as we said, Sam is in the cabin with Catherine. 
who we find out uh, was once married to Philip, who Sam has leapt into. Sam, well, sorry, Philip, not Sam. Philip was marooned at sea, and effectively Catherine kind of moved on with her life and is now marrying a fellow called Vincent, who we find out is a pretty nasty character, a pretty shady individual, bit of a stereotypical Italian gangster, I guess. And he is... I would say considerably older as well than Catherine. I based on yeah, I would say so. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a ten year gap there. I reckon mm. maybe maybe fifteen. But then that's not really um, for the time. It's not really you know uncommon. I suppose is it? It was a different sort of like you know people would marry younger or people younger person. Yeah, I mean, it still happens to this to this day. But we kind of look at it and more go like really. He's 65 and she's 30, really. <laughs> um, it's not, I, yeah, I would say it's at least 15 years between them. Yeah, yeah, that's, th- yeah, yeah, that's a fair estimate. estimate. Um, there's an older gentleman who then knocks on the door, and this turns out to be Catherine's dad. Uh, so going to be the father-in-law to Vincent and once the father-in-law to Philip. And he is basically warning Sam away from Catherine, and ends up actually punching him at one stage as well, which is quite funny. It's more the uh, Harvard 1919. Yes, and the very stereotypical. We literally just this week recorded something for the Doctor Who pod where the Doctor ends up in, in, in a similar kind of fist fight effort with somebody in the 1920s. And, and that was filmed in the 70s, but it's set in the 20s. And it was that very much kind of old-fashioned jukes up in front of you chin out you know come on old boy let's sort this out like gentlemen and all that sort of nonsense you know it's very much that kind of vibe isn't it uh yeah but he did make me laugh when he says harvard um middleweight boxing champion 1919 and then just walk goes to walk out basically but um, obviously he gets interrupted by waiters bringing flowers back even though sam's just convinced him i'm not trying to get your daughter back <laughs> yeah it's, but do it's just do. a coincidence i'm on the same boat as your daughter who is the love <laughs> of my life while she's you know it's effectively going to be her wedding day this weekend or whatever and then all these flowers arrive to say yeah sorry mate the the, the young lady in question sent them back that doesn't want them <laughs> yeah coincidence sam yeah <laughs> all's, all's fair as they say that's it. That's it. Uh, Sam, again, he, as, as Philip is warned off Catherine and told to stay away. But the gentleman in question has, I suppose, I, I don't know about an ulterior motive, but more of a desperate motive behind him. Uh, the family business is struggling. And Vincent, by marrying his daughter, is going to also buy out or invest in the family business and effectively stop it going under. So he's kind of got this family over a barrel, I think, Benny, hasn't he? Uh, I mean, at this point, um, Catherine's not aware of this particular issue. But, I mean, when you first meet her father, like, you think, what a douche and what a... (laughs) But he's trying to keep his family afloat. If you look at his motivation, at least the character's Mm. got motivation to why he's behaving the way he is. And, I mean, he's not a... In the grand scheme of things, you know, compared to Vincent, he's not a bad guy, really. He's just trying to keep his family afloat. Um, ultimately, I think he's just, well, we will get there, obviously. But ultimately, he's, he, he, you know, he's doing what he feel he's ha- feels he has to, basically. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, in the original history, we're told by Al that uh, Philip tries to 
convince Catherine to not marry Vincent and Catherine says no she stays with Vincent marries him and she is miserable for the rest of her life pining after her former uh, former husband uh, Philip apparently commits suicide because of the grief but we also then find out that maybe that's not the case it could have been that Philip was actually murdered by Vincent to keep him away and as the episode goes on we see that's probably quite likely in the original history isn't it Benny? Yeah, I mean, Vincent, I mean, he's very early on, he's given Vincent the viper by the younger sister, uh, Jennifer, who is brilliant, by the way. The oh, girl, yeah, she's hey, great. She's brilliant uh, in this. Uh, they, To be honest, man, there is even the, like, even though Vincent's got that cheesy um, gangster vibe going on, and we do get a little, like, callback of, like, Sam going, I see you're making me an offer, sorry, uh, an offer I can't refuse, you know, he goes, I like that, and he keeps... He's trying to be like culture by quoting Shakespeare, which he's not half the time. Um, but even though he's got that cheesy gangster thing going on, was what I was saying. But I think everybody in this plays their part really well. And nobody felt like when I'm watching them, like it felt forced. Um, mm. I think it's acted well. It's probably the shortest way I can put it. Okay. Well, let me throw this out there then. It's literally just popped in my head now. Okay. This is episode 21 of the second series. Series one had nine episodes. Yeah. So we're, we're effectively on our 30th episode looking at Quantum Leap Night. Wow, are we? we well, yeah, yeah. So with regards to with regards to those previous 30 episodes, there has been not many, I would suggest, uh, American, Italian characters in the show, but there has been a handful. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of any that are not portrayed in that kind of Italian-American, stereotypical, mafia, gangster yeah. style. Are they stereotyping a little bit here in the early days of the show, do you I, think, Benny? I think, obviously, yeah, obviously they are. I would say yes is the easiest way to do it. But I would also suggest that when we do see the Italian, you know, not all the time, but I'm going to say... I feel like mo- I could be wrong. I know at least of one I can think of 100%, which was early on, which was double uh, identity, I think. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is in, is that season one? Yeah, season one. Yes, if I'm uh, lying, I'm dying. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I need to get on a t-shirt, dude. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Harvard, 1919 is, uh, is a great one. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think you are right, but also... In terms of the Italian gangster thing, I think most of the time we've seen them in the Brooklyn, New York area. So I could, you know, I'm not saying every okay. episode, but at least a couple I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Uh, I know Pool Hall Blues, we had that gangster vibe going on, but it wasn't Italian. It was, you know, no. it was a completely different vibe with that. But um, I'm going to say the ones we have seen that have been Italian, I think generally we're in the New York, Brooklyn sort of area so the the stereo I mean, yes it's stereotypical by i'm not uh if i'm lying i'm dying uh but um it's just i think because of where they're where they are if that makes sense where the geolog- geological location is aka new york brooklyn that sort of mafia area um i'm struggling to think have we had any of that stereotypical italian character that has not been in new york though and i can't think of any okay. right now that's something I think we should keep an eye out for as the as the serial and the podcast goes <laughs> forward. See, uh, see if we meet any Italians that are not that way, shall we say? Um, 
Al explains uh, after everyone has left the room eventually everyone departs and goes and so Sam is in theory left on his own Al is talking to Sam about what he thinks his mission is on this particular leap and as we said to stop the marriage and make sure that Catherine and Philip live happily ever after and so on and obviously Philip doesn't end up completely dead and um, Al is talking about you know true love and if you're lucky in life it might happen to you once and that's that whereas sam is trying to say maybe i'm not here to stop the wedding maybe i'm just here to make sure philip doesn't kill himself and so on al is very much more of an advocate of true love and you know as i explained once in a lifetime and so on sam then turns around and goes well you you must still be looking you keep trying and all this sort of stuff to which point al turns around and says nope i've had it and oh how did that end and i'll say well i married her and that's kind of all we get at this moment isn't it that, i'm paraphrasing a little bit on that dialogue there but it's kind of all we get but it's very much touching upon a bit more of al's background that i think you know obviously we're going to find out as the episodes pass but it builds up over time doesn't it benny yeah it's definitely um without giving it giving it away it's definitely foreshadowing but i will say that um Sam makes a comment of, oh, what did you do? Did you forget a number? No, I married her. Oh, what happened? He goes, oh, that's not important. And he just brushes it off. But as we're about to find out very soon, um, there's a lot more to it, but we can't really go into that because of where we're going next. So, but yeah, I've never noticed it before. I said it before we came on air, but like I've never noticed how much, if you look at the story of uh, Dumont and Catherine, like, how similar it is to a degree to what happens to Al or what happened to See, Al. It's funny I, you say that because you say you never noticed it before. Yeah. I, di- I didn't even notice it after watching back. It was only when you brought it up before we pressed record. And I was like, oh my God, Benny, yeah, you're spot on. I didn't even notice myself watching it back today, which is amazing. You know, That's, that's the first time ever that I've like today watching it where I'm like, holy crap, this is a hell of a foreshadow. And obviously, it again, we can't go too much into it because we're moving through the episodes. We're about to, we're very close to finishing this season into season uh, three. So, but yeah, I, I, we, we've always had like snippets, haven't we, in episodes? And it's not until you watch them back, you go, so he mentioned something here, and then we don't see it maybe till like two episodes later. Yes. But this is like heavy foreshadowing for me for what we're about to learn about Al, basically. Mm. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, with everyone seemingly having departed, uh, Sam or Philip has another visitor. And this is a young lass who we find out is named Jennifer. She's the 11 year old sister of Catherine, but she comes in in disguise wearing an adult's jacket, a big hat, her hair all tucked down her coat and so on. I, I think she had um, sunglasses on as well, Benny, didn't she? Uh, yes. Yes. It was like proper, like, private eye yes <laughs> blues brothers thing going on basically um <laughs> yeah so she's trying to hide us if anything a little kid i say little kid she's probably what i don't know how old she is what 12 13 well in the story they say she's 11 11 okay so but she's trying to be uh incognito but actually a young person walking around <laughs> with his his, his hat <laughs> on and his glass and his big like i say big this 
conveniently fitted trench coat in black so she doesn't get recognized if anything you're going to be like what's that kid doing <laughs> yeah drawing a lot more attention to herself than she probably thinks but where yeah. it's actually a kid walking around the boat um just walking around probably wouldn't look as creepy uh, uh, not creepy but you wouldn't necessarily blink twice at it <laughs> mm. yes there <laughs> yes. we go it is good though um, the character of Jennifer, or, or Jennifer Elizabeth is her name, and they refer to her as Jenny quite often. Uh, I think this young lass and this character is just an absolute diamond. She is brilliant all the way through this. A few of the um, child actors that have come into this, uh, like another mother, the young girl in that. Was, yes. Uh, just the, the, all the kids that I think generally that have come into it have played their parts brilliantly. Um I would say maybe it's the uh, cuteness, maybe, I don't know. But like also, I think they've, in some cases, been better than some of the adult actors that have been there. So I don't know, you know, but there's some great, like, you know... Um, oh, yeah, it is another mother, isn't it? Yeah, with yeah the, that's you know, right, yeah. And Al can see, she can see Al and stuff as well, which is a great interaction and a great moment for Al, as we've already spoke about on a previous episode. Uh, in the archives, people, in the archives. Indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, Jenny is very much acting as not just motivation for the pair to get together or not just i suppose uh, a cheerleader for philip with regards to the family but also plotting quite a bit as well very much um trying to not just push these people in the right direction but almost manipulate scenarios where they can meet up and so on and we find out a bit more of that as the show goes on but we also find out a bit more about Vinny from jennifer here she explains that she's overheard Vinny threatening philip with his his goon his uh his sidekick is heavy i suppose and effectively saying that if philip or sam doesn't stay away from Catherine, that he's going to get cut up and fed to the fish so this is where al and sam are like mm, maybe it wasn't suicide after all then so we're getting more of an image and more of a background and uh, i suppose filling in of the blanks of Vinny and his behavior and his actions before we even meet the guy, aren't we? Yeah. And I tell you what though, the way they portray the guy and what, how they talk about him. I mean, again, um, we've seen these before, obviously, but a long a while ago, a good while ago for myself, but even though I, I kind of remember what he looked like, but I tell you what, the way they describe him, uh, talk about him, You've already it's already built up in your head that he's some sort of like and you've already seen the Statue of Liberty, which helps, I think. But you've also got this you've also got this um thing already of he's like like a New York gangster already in your head, at least I did. So yeah. when you see him, you're like, Yep, that's many. <laughs> at least it, you know, at least from my point of view. So Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um and we do meet Vinny and more of the family, I suppose, in the very next scene. Vinny and his goon, who I don't know if you've got a name for this guy, Benny, but I haven't. I'm just going to refer to him as the goon throughout the whole whole show, I think. That's what my notes say, anyway. Uh, Vinny and his, his heavy, his sidekick, his goon, are with the family. Uh, Catherine is refusing to come out of the bathroom. And we very quickly see, effectively, what Vinny's all about. He's there talking quite disrespectfully to the father, of Catherine, well, in front of get your women in line is kind yes. of we need to know really on that on that character. Yes. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> this is in front of Catherine's mum and Catherine's little sister, and he, you know, talks in a, I suppose in a, 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 a equally sinister yet charming manner 
in trying to tempt Catherine out of the bathroom. When he doesn't get the response he wants straight away, and I'm talking literally within seconds, he hammers on the door and demands that she gets out of there. Yeah. Um, a douche, basically. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, one little goof on this, I will say. Uh, maybe I missed it, but as we come to this scene, we have an old fella sat on the... So we got uh, Catherine's dad and the parent, and as you already mentioned, the mum sat opposite with the... Uh, with the little sister. Um, and there's also an elderly gentleman, which I assume is Vinny's father. We don't really yes. find out who he is. But as we go through this scene, they all leave, but I only see the goon and uh, Vinny leave. I don't see the old man leave unless he was in front of them. So I'm like, is he, but when you cut back, he's no longer on the sofa. So I'm like, where did he go? <laughs> oh yeah. He wouldn't fit out the porthole, put it this way. Um, so is he hiding in the ring? Is he sneaked behind the sofa? Maybe the couch <laughs> sofa ate him before we saw. I don't know. Or perhaps uh, he was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Again, it might have just been a case of he got up to leave anyway because he was already like, maybe you shouldn't marry into this family because of the disrespect from the women. The women are disrespectful in all this kind of stuff. Well, it's basically, yeah. As you can say, like you said, as soon as you watch it and see Vinny's thing, as Sai's already said, um, he's a very like, you know, women have their place basically. And <laughs> where are yeah. we? Fifty-four. So still not right, but still. Yes, we also get a. Uh, this is the one thing I suppose in the show that uh, I suppose the timing of the episode dictates that this has to happen. We haven't got enough time to give full background stories to every member of the family you know, as in-depth as potentially the writer may have wanted. Marion, Catherine's mum, she is here um, quite emotional, and we're assuming she's emotional because of the arguments that is going on and Vinny behaving the way he is. But then there are moments where Catherine's father speaks to her or speaks about life in general and mentions, you know, you don't always get married because you're in love, and she wails and cries and so on. Now, this is obviously being done to set up a scene later on in which Marion basically explains that she's unhappy in this marriage and not necessarily unhappy, but she had an alternative and, and, yeah, and all this. Yeah. <clears throat> now this was probably the least subtle or least well-written of the characters for me. It kind of, it was kind of a case of, look, we want you to notice this and we will slap you around the face with it to make sure it is noticed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a small thing for me. It's not a big issue. It doesn't ruin the episode or anything like that. But out of all the characters and all the behaviours, even the stereotypical Italian gangster stylings of Vinny and his mate, that, that was fine as well, as stereotypical as it could have been. This with Marion was a little jarring for me, maybe. What, what did you think, Benny? It seemed a bit excessive initially. The first time, okay. she was like, all right, but but I was like, is she unhappy about the whole situation? So then maybe that's part of it is why she is so like upset. And then, but when it's again, it's like, all right, gee, <laughs> you're clearly not happy in your marriage, or she's reliving it. I don't, which obviously, again, we find out later, but she's obviously reliving it. But I mean, yeah, not enough for me to like you. I'm very much like agreeing with you at the moment. I'm very much not put off by it or it's something go all right but it's luckily it doesn't go on too long i guess because if maybe the third time it may have been too much the twice that it does happen is fine um but i'm glad it's explained later so like you said it's purposely like you said it is very much getting in slapping you in the face by the way pay attention to this bit 
and she's very distraught over all this this whole situation basically yeah yeah it doesn't ruin it but it doesn't ruin it for me no no indeed um Everyone is heading down for dinner, uh, is kind of the conversations we're getting anyway. Uh, we don't see the dinner itself, but the next time we see Sam, he is back in his cabin talking to Al. And Sam explains that he tried to send notes over to Catherine to get her attention and get messages to her. There was occasions where she would get up and head to the ladies' room. Sam would try and... Uh, meet her en route so to speak and she would notice turn around and walk back and he's saying it's it's impossible it's not going to happen and so on uh but we find then that jenny is working her magic and is arranging for um sam or philip to hopefully meet with catherine in the first class swimming pool at late at night when no one else is around because she has acquired a, a key to the first class pool. So she's, it makes me laugh because you've got Sam there who says, oh, I'm just going to try and bump into her on the way to the toilet or I'm going to send her a note. Whereas you've got this little girl who's actually applying herself <laughs> far more uh, smartly and, and, you know, thinking things through to a different level than Sam is. It, it tickles me because Jenny here, she's really pulling some strings to get what she wants, isn't she, Benny? Yeah, she's very yeah, basically. But almost like the, when Sam said, "I tried to send a note," and it's like, "Why are you five? What's going on?" Um, so, and then obviously we don't see any of this. We were explained, as you've already said. Uh, which yeah, I, and again, that, that still works as well, won't? I think yeah, that worked quite well. I, I thought it was quite a good touch, actually, to be honest, because it we could have had maybe like a little montage, I guess, of him trying to. But it would have been, I think, it would have been came off a bit too cheesy, I guess, if it had been yeah. that way. So the way they've done it. They've had the dinner. Sam obviously Sam's dressed as if he's been to this event anyway. So it was quite good the the way they did it, like you said. But yeah, the fact that this young girl is eleven year old is more clever <laughs> with the way she's doing things. But then she knows her sister well. So mm. you know, but then obviously Sam in this case, if it was actually Philip, then he would know her quite well. But because it's not actually philip and we didn't really mention it the way sam handles this opening scene of this whole episode of trying to figure out why this woman's coming to his room is he marrying her is he not marrying her then the dad turns up but which we we've, again we bypass this the dad says i'm going to break down the door and he's basically counting to three and sam finally gets catherine in the, the thing uh the closet to hide and then he as he open as he sort of goes one two three here i come sam opens the door and his dad flies through the door <laughs> <laughs> yes actually hilarious uh, we kind of skipped over that a little bit but um yeah Again, the eleven-year-old seems a lot older than eleven. Maybe she's almost like got it figured out by eleven. When most of us, most of us haven't got it figured out, even by the time we're thirty. So, well, there we go. <laughs> um, the next time we see Sam, he is effect—he's in a ballroom, and there's a, I suppose, lounge singer performing. And they, they declare that they're going to be performing right the way through till dawn so everyone can have drinks and dance and enjoy themselves on this cruise and so on. Uh, Sam is going to, under Al's advice, he says Al advises Sam to try and uh, you know get her dancing because then you can communicate with her under the guise of just having a dance and so on, which I thought was quite a clever little ploy by Al. Sam goes in, and this I loved. He asks the singer for a tango <laughs> but the singer is there talking in a very um over the top stereotypical french accent and uh, he introduces the band as being uh, french and, and so on sam asks for a tango but sam speaks french to the singer 
yeah. the singer sort of looks around a little bit crouches down towards Sam and then in a Brooklyn accent says yeah I'll just put on the accent mate I can't really speak French <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like that I thought that was brilliant it was a nice little because again I wouldn't say the episode I, I mean it's serious in a sense of what's happening but it's not it's not like intense like some of the other episodes at all but like this was really funny I, I forgot about that completely that's probably one of my apart from the dad flying through the door I think that might be one of my favourite moments with the French guy. Ah, we did it. Oh, by the way, mate, I'm just I'm I'm English or American, yeah. whatever he is. You know, it's very it's very funny. I can't do a French accent. I'm not even going to try. So, um... <laughs> if I tried, it would just come across hideously racist. So I'm not even going to. I once uh, on a podcast. I'll share this quickly on a podcast many many years ago before we even met Sai when I first started out in this. Uh, it's got to be at least eleven years ago. I don't even know if it exists. I don't think it does, unfortunately. But my mates, we were talking, I think uh, we were talking about Dusty Rhodes, and my mate does a quite good Dusty Rhodes impression for those wrestling fans out there. I tried to do it, and it came out German with a slight lisp. I don't even know <laughs> how it came out like that. So I, I, some impressions I can do, but yeah, that Dusty Rhodes, I, could, I failed miserably. And we were live as well at the time, so it wasn't even oh, like it could be edited out. <laughs> a German Dusty Rhodes. How different, <laughs> how different the wrestling landscape would have been. Um, <laughs> uh, Sam asks for the tango and they play one. He grabs hold of Catherine and starts dancing with her. And this is where he's trying to get the message across. Let's meet at the first class pool at midnight and so on. This is the night before the wedding as well. And the biggest thing I pick up from this scene is how... First of all, Vinny is pissed. He is so cross that this is happening. And secondly, how his second, his his goon, his heavy, is perhaps slightly more with it. He's got his head screwed on a little bit more than just the muscle behind a mafia boss. Because Vinny demands a gun and says, I'm going to kill him right now. And he basically says, no, you can't do that. I'm not going to give you a gun. Definitely not going to do it here. And there's a few moments throughout this story where we almost get uh, the stereotypical mafia thing, I guess, that you see on numerous TV shows and films throughout the decades is that the boss is the manipulator, the intelligent one, the one who is almost like a puppet master to everything around him. And then you always get the the lower down gangsters in in that group whether it's his lieutenants or, or the, the heads of different families or you know whatever certain relatives that he's looking after they tend to be the hotheads the, the ones that maybe aren't as intelligent but they take care of the violence and the more they're the ones who get their hands dirty shall we say here yeah. i think there's a bit more depth to this character of Vinny's second in command and that I find that quite refreshing because that goes against some of the stereotypes we see in a, in a lot of mafia television programs and films. I think, Benny. Yeah, the the henchmen are normally like, "Oh, he's offended you, boss. I'll, I'll sort him out. I'll sort him yeah. out." This guy is the boss is very much so. Basically, the difference between Vinny and the other ones we've seen so far, I would say that Vinny's more of a hard. Apart from maybe the fella in where Sam was the uh, FBI agent who was look, you know, the uh, uh, the woman under witness protection oh yes yeah he was very much like aggressive wasn't he wanting to get revenge and the other guy was like no we shouldn't do this we shouldn't do this but like you said generally you do get that stereotypical the boss is like calm down lads let's talk calm like it's the way these bosses talk and then they talk calmly but threaten you whereas Vinny is very much like if i don't get what i want i'm gonna which we saw earlier on if you think about it with the him banging on the door uh, because he didn't get the answer he wanted within seconds you know so 
Um, definitely a hothead. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, I liked this as well because we get a little bit of charisma from uh, Scott Bakula in this in this character in this moment because more often than not, especially when it comes to romantic issues with Sam, he is a little bit awkward, a little bit naive, a little bit unsure of himself. Whereas here, he is trying to impress the lady and make her not make her fall in love with him. She already loves him, but kind of make her walk away from this wedding that she's not going to be happy in and so on. When he ends the dance with Catherine and he's got the, the meeting arranged at midnight at the, at the pool and so on, he gets thrown a rose by Jenny and he puts it in his mouth and does a little bit of a dance away and a little bit of a pirouette. And as he spins, he grabs a glass, drinks from it and walks up a chair. As the chair falls, he lands and turns and sort of bows to the audience and so on. And then turns around and is walking straight into Vinny and his goon who are grabbing him to, to, to threaten him, basically. But that I loved. And the music pretty much coincided with what Sam was doing on the dance floor and stepping over the chair and so on. Yeah, I, loved, I loved that. It was brilliantly done. And when uh, Vinny and his goon get hold of him, he goes, uh, nice. He goes, oh, we want to talk to you or whatever. And Sam's like, I'm, I'm meeting somebody. And then, he try, then they grab hold of him and pull him back. And Vinny's like, nice waltz. And he goes, tango. Yeah. Just, like, really? You're already antagonizing It was brilliant. Um, yeah, time and a place, Sam. Time and a place. Yeah. But you know what? If he didn't say it, everyone would he, I suppose. But it well, was... yeah. Uh, Sam, Vinny, and uh, his his second, and then up on the, I suppose, the higher decks, the upper decks, looking across the water, and they're basically there for Sam to be threatened. And the arrangement is, you know, well, they come to an arrangement in Vinny's mind. Your part of the arrangement, Sam or Philip, is to stay away from Catherine and her whole family. Uh, my part of the arrangement is to not kill you if you do that, which is, I suppose, a stereotypical kind of mafioso, you know, threatening action, I guess. Uh, Sam's under a bit of pressure here. There's a gun about to be pulled as well. And then the captain arrives, the captain of the ship arrives just in time. And again, there are certain moments where I think that you go, oh, well, that's a coincidence that somebody's got out of trouble at that moment. But here, again, I think this is really well written because the captain arrives and Sam calls the captain over and tries to engage him in a conversation and tries to get a tour of the bridge. But the captain's not having it because it's late at night. It's approaching midnight, for crying out loud. So it's almost like that coincidence didn't didn't matter because the captain wasn't interested until the captain twigs that philip was once marooned and solo uh, you know very you know, singly sailed a, a very uh, treacherous area of waters to get to his safety without a mainsail and so on and sam in, uses the captain's own interest in this by saying i can come to the bridge and, and show you how i plotted my route and how i how i got to safety and so on yeah to escape the the scenario that he finds himself in with these two gangsters. I thought that was really well written because in the past we've seen in, in quantum leap. Oh, I'm about to die. What on earth can happen? Oh, this thing happens just in time. Brilliant. Let's move on. But here there was more to it. And Sam had to actually work a bit harder to escape the danger. I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. It wasn't like, Oh, hello. Oh, I'm going to talk to the captain. Oh, I'm so, so Oh yeah. Okay. Bye then. It, it was like, and then of course, Vinny tries to invite himself to uh, go with them as well. To try. Oh, yes. Yeah, so he goes, oh, no, you'd be bored with us two um, 
you know, people talking boats basically. And I mean, I'm not going to say I pretend I know anything about, I mean, I know how they work, but I wouldn't know. I, I still get confused with port and starboard. I don't know. I can never remember which is left or right, to be honest. So I don't think I've ever known, to be fair. I think I, I Googled it once and I went, oh, okay. And I forgot on it like almost instantly because <laughs> it's not something I do. So, um, but I also, after we, after we get away from Vincent and his goon and then we're with the captain, the captain's, you know, very interested, like, well, how did you plot your course without a sexing and all this stuff? And Sam closes the door and just like breathes a sigh of relief and like almost like his knees are wobbly because the, the adrenaline, I guess, of that moment. Yeah, that was good as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and the captain was like, are you all right, Mr. DeMont? And he's like, and then he explains kind of, but of course the captain does, so Sam with Al's help says, oh yeah, he's been tried and um, he's been, he's a three-time convicted felon. You can check with detective um, uh, whoever in the New York police department and the captain says, okay, I will do that. But if this is a ruse for you to get your ex-wife back, I will have to confine you to quarters. And he's like, fair enough. So even the cat, so the, I like the captain on this, to be fair. I like the way that it's all written is like the captain just goes, doesn't just go, oh, okay. Um, and moves on. <laughs> do you yes. know what I mean? It's, it's, again, you said dialogue, dialogue heavy, but it all makes sense. Yeah. And you're right. Even, I mean, the captain has quite a relatively small role to play, I suppose. Yeah. But, makes every minute on screen count it, it, it's really well done and as you said all the dialogue matters all the dialogue works and when we come to some more now for argument's sake uh sam is getting ready to go and meet uh kate catherine at the at the pool and whilst he's getting ready al uh, you know dean stockwell via the character of al gets to have more of his say on um eco matters and pollution and so on talking about the bottom of the ship churning tons and tons of waste that doesn't decompose into the ocean it's disgusting and so on again we come back to what we spoke about last week on 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 the waiting room about dean stockwell's own personal uh environmental beliefs and so on so a lot of this was coming from dean stockwell himself but again it's almost foreshadowing and putting in your mind a, a scenario for a scene later on but Kate eventually decides to go and meet with Philip at the pool after being convinced by her sister again, who is almost like a little 11 year old puppet master at this point, isn't she? She's very much is. And you've got kids. So I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure you've had moments where they've got their way. <laughs> well, it, it depends. Yeah. It, it depends on the scenario. Um, we discovered literally uh, in the last few days, that my middle daughter, who was just about to start taking her GCSEs, so that gives you the, the idea of her age, she said over the last year or two, if she wanted a day off school, she would always come to me because I would just say, yeah, sod it, do what you want. She would <laughs> never go She would never go to her mum. But if she wanted to go out with her mates later in the night, she would go to her mum rather than me. So they know what they're doing. Do you know uh, what I mean? <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're clever. They're clever. They know what to get. They, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast in itself, man. That's yes. A, that's a, that's a Pal Palace episode, that is. Come <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that. There is a there is an episode of that podcast going to be uh, leaking out quite soon with some news about some SJP World Media stuff concerning my good lady and her writing and the book World. But again, Cool. Keep an eye on the SJP World Media Network socials for that. But anyway, Kate uh, decides to go and meet with Philip at the pool. And when she when she heads off in that direction, she is followed by Vincent's goon. Um, when she arrives, they realise there's a slight flaw in the plan here. In that there's no water, Benny, is there? Uh, no. Um, 
they're surrounded by water, ironically, and yet there's none in the pool. <laughs> Draining <laughs> at night to clean it, I assume. Yes, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, so also, but prior to that, Sam's going around his cabin trying to find like a swimsuit or something so he can wear. And again, this proves how like, switched on this 11-year-old girl is. She comes in, says, oh, you're not even ready yet. And Sam's like, oh, uh, not Sam, Al's like, oh, he's never ready, and, <laughs> which is quite funny. And then she finds the um, his swimsuit for him. And she, again, this girl, luckily for Sam, I mean, for, for DeMont, maybe not so much, but like for Sam, having this young girl who wants her sister to be happy and be with her, you know, with her ex-husband and stuff, obviously after you got lost at sea, but having her around has been very helpful in this episode, <laughs> to be honest. They should, what they should do is they should track her down in present day bring her to Project Quantum Leap and get her at times to appear as a hologram because she's more helpful than Al is in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think Al's got his moments in this one, but he's uh, definitely, yeah, he's not, he's more helpful in other episodes, put it this way. Yes, indeed. Um, at the pool, well, lack of water in the pool, but at, at the pool nonetheless, uh, they have um, a conversation, they, they being Kate, Catherine and Sam. Sam's trying to convince Catherine that it's obvious that she doesn't love Vincent. Don't marry him if you don't love him. She then explains this, the financial scenario that her father faces and the, the family is going to be in big trouble uh, financially and so on. They end up having a kiss before Kate literally runs off and, and effectively says the line. And I think this was really quite simple, quite straightforward, quite to the point, but really telling of the scenario this young lady finds herself in. She basically shouts back, I cannot afford to love you anymore. And that one line of dialogue sums up her whole predicament, her whole family's predicament, literally yeah. in, those, in those few words. I thought that was a brilliant piece of writing. Yeah, I mean, we even get a look back at um, their early relationship when they were first together. And um, uh, DeMont shows her, Catherine, the, the apartment, which is smaller. Now, she's from a rich family. Her dad's got a business, North School Cruise business or whatever it is. Um, so when she, she even admit, openly admitted, which was quite a nice touch, I thought that she openly admitted that, um, when I saw that apartment, I got scared because it was small and not used to what she's used to her lifestyle being. But then she said, if we could go back in time and do that all over again, I'd move into that apartment tomorrow. Mm. So she's learned from him being away for three years that actually grab it while you've got it type thing. So yeah, but that thing when she's walking away and then she does that, that line that you've already said with, I can't afford to love you anymore. is like, you are clearly doing this for your family. And even and Sam, even with Sam talking to her, you know, you always love your family and always do what you need to do for them. But like not at the expense of your own happiness, essentially, is what he said. I think I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially that's what he says. But it's a whole again, I'm fine. I'm finding it hard to find a great deal of fault with it, which I'm not trying to, obviously. But apart from the old man who seemed to have dis got eaten by a sofa. Other than that, I can't be. <laughs> <laughs> so far really so. i can't find any fault in this episode apart from an old man being eaten by a sofa that's fantastic sofa. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me um as as kate runs off and departs uh sam gives chase but he is he is greeted by a gun in the back and we kind of leave sam there wondering what's going to happen to him the very next scene we get though is a view of the boat at, at sea and we hear the the tannoy um shouting out messages as it would do back in those days and probably still to this day um paging mrs thatcher paging mrs margaret thatcher 
I missed that. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is, I remember that being in there before, but I did miss that this time around. <laughs> and it was literally from what I can gather, looking at looking it up and doing you know various you know popping onto various sites and trying to find any information out about this. It was done just as a, a random throwaway sort of brush of history. There's no actual reference to say that Miss Thatcher was actually uh, there or anything like that. Yeah. On a boat around New York at that time. She may well have been, but I couldn't find anything myself. But it did it came out of the blue a little bit. I was like, well, okay, that's weird. But there we go. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean Thatcher would have been in power in the UK at the time of this being broadcast in 1990 she'd probably left office not long after this to be fair so yeah quite apt and uh you know tagging of the timeline of when these episodes came out i suppose (laughs) could just Uh, be random or call mrs thatcher on there could have been like it could be one that you're thinking about to be honest (laughs) it could maybe maybe i mean the fact that they reference her as margaret thatcher i was kind of thinking but okay um (laughs) (laughs) uh we then find catherine with jenny and her mum in the i suppose dressing room getting ready they're getting married in 20 minutes we get told and now things are starting to escalate a little bit pace wise time wise we get a reminder of how long is left before the wedding quite regularly which is a nice little plot point to sort of build up the 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 suspense jenny has been out looking for philip but can't find him anywhere and this is when we get i suppose that the throwback to catherine and jenny's mum talking of uh, not being married for love shall we say and she references a former partner called teddy but she married their dad and she, you know she does say so she's happy there and so on but she married their dad because her dad didn't approve so their grand grandfather didn't approve of this teddy individual did approve of uh, their father catherine's father and she often wonders what happened to him and so on. Uh, that was the basic gist of what we're getting at, Benny, wasn't it? Yeah, so she's not saying that it wasn't like she married their father because of um, like the same situation that Catherine's in right now, basically, in this episode. But her dad didn't approve, so she basically cared what her father thought and eventually met Philip, I guess, and, you know, is happy. But it's always the road that uh, the road not taken, isn't it, I suppose? Yes. Yes, there we go. Uh, we then do see where Sam is. And we, we get the standard weekly shot of Scott Bakula with his top off. And he is hanging away above the, the garbage waste disposal chute, I suppose, where all the rubbish is turfed out into the ocean, as uh, Dean Stockwell via Al was objecting to quite strongly earlier on in the episode. Sam apparently has been hanging there all night. By the way, that they, you know, Vincent and his goon arrive and say, "Did you sleep well?" They bring bring Sam over to them on the edge of where they are, and they're talking to him about he was warned to stay away and so on. Sam explains you can't go around killing everybody who is in love with Catherine because eventually, you know, you're going to get caught out. And Vincent, sort of, for a moment, almost looks like he's agreeing, nods along and smiles and says, "Yep, you're right. I can't kill everybody. You've got a good point there." but I can kill you and then cuts the rope, pushes Sam into the garbage and gets his goon to start the machine up and starts dumping the waste out into the ocean. And this is 
if you imagine the scene for anyone who's not seen it, it's just a big, massive metal container. I mean, Benny, you described it as similar to a scene in Star Wars, I just, believe. It just, it just reminded me so much of uh, New Hope with the trash compactor. Anybody who's a Star Wars fan is going to know what I'm on about. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it just reminded me of that. It's very similar. Obviously, this has been scooped out into the ocean in Star Wars. They're going to be crushed, basically, because they're mm. crushing the thing. But yeah, I, I just have flashbacks of being a kid watching Quantum Leap and watching Star Wars when I was a kid. So it just um, gave me a through throwback to that, really. Um, I also like the fact because we, um, we see Sam and he's hung there before he's been cut free and pushed down, that he's actually sweating. So he's been there struggling all night. That's a lot of energy. And yes. two, he goes, how did you sleep? And even in this, even in this uh, fatigue state, Sam says like a baby under his breath. So like he's still being sarky towards me and his goon, basically, despite the fact that he's pretty much in a lot of danger right there right in that moment. So, well, yeah, um, we cut back to the wedding. The wedding is is beginning as Sam is, uh, you know, in this big pile of crap, I suppose. Um, and he's effectively then fighting for his life, isn't he? The, 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 the end of the ship is open. Things are being pushed out into the ocean. Al arrives and is trying to get Sam to make a pile of rubbish to climb on, to climb out to the little uh, balcony sort of area where Al is hovering around. It, this is basically impossible because all the rubbish is moving and it's wet and it's full of water and, and sludge and so on. Before Sam basically finds an umbrella and uses that to hook a chain and starts fighting his way up. And we cut back to the wedding as this is going on. And again, I thought this was really well done because it's not the obvious. But now, in hindsight, looking at it, the way this is written, I think is very, very important for the character development of Catherine and her father. Because we've got to the point in the service where everyone present at the wedding is being asked, does anyone object to, to these two getting married? So you're waiting for Sam to arrive and say, yes, me. He's tried to kill me. This is what's going on. You're waiting for that to happen because, you know, Sam is on his way. And we're at that moment. And it's set up in that way that a lot of Hollywood films and stories and TV shows are. But we don't get that. It's Kate herself, Catherine herself, who stops the wedding. And yeah. I think that's really important now in hindsight, because if Sam had arrived and stopped the wedding, we would never know if Kate will have, well, I keep saying Kate, that's what they refer to her as yeah. for short. But yeah. Short yeah. Yeah. We, we would never really know if Kate would have gone through with it or not. But the fact that Sam doesn't arrive in time and Kate herself stops the wedding, I think is a very, very, it's a small little thing, but a really important note with regards to their character development, Benny. Yeah. And then followed up with that. Um, the, again, Vinny, doesn't even talk to Catherine about it. He literally turns to her father and goes, "Get get your oh, is it, what does he say?" So I'm paraphrasing. So he says something some along the lines of, "Get your daughter in line or talk to your daughter." Mm. Whatever he says, and I like again. So not only have we got the clarification that she doesn't want to marry Vinny, we also get the father going, "Nope, I don't think so, Vincent. If she doesn't want to marry you, she doesn't have to." So that repairs that relationship, even though yes. Kate is, I wouldn't say it's broken, broken, but I would definitely say it's put a strain on their relationship because she's trying to do it to make sure her family's okay and stuff like that because of the whole business going down and him buying the business or investing in whatever. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. Um, her saying no and then the him saying, and literally Sam's, if, if this had gone on as normal, Sam would have been late. <laughs> they would have been married by the time he got there anyway. So 
Um, but then obviously, again, and even again, the captain in this scene, Sam says, you know, this man tried to kill me. I want you to arrest him. Um, and then the captain's like, I'm going to have to put you both into confine you to quarters until I figure this out. So he's not taking Sam's word for it or even Vincent's word for it. He's going, right, we're going to have to investigate this, basically. Um, and, of course, Vince is like, uh, nope, you're not confining me, and starts punching people. And then it all kicks off. Yeah, and again, I like this as well, because you end up with Philip and the dad fighting alongside each other against the others. And Kate's dad getting in a couple of punches with his old school technique and stance before they, you know, reference <laughs> his, his boxing. That's it, Harvard, 1990, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a great way of finishing up, I think. It's a brilliant way of ending the story because the bad guys get their comeuppance. We're, we don't actually hear, I don't think, what happens to them, do we? But I'm assuming that they're, they're arrested. Right. and Yeah, the, um, well, with his record as well, it probably would have added another... He might have done a little... I don't know whether he'd have done time for it, but he would have... Uh, obviously, he's on the record again. Of course, he's a hothead, so we don't find out what happens to Vincent the gangster, but I like this because we actually find out what happens with... Catherine, um, Dumont, and the entire like of Catherine's family, including the sister, which uh, again has changed history because if one Philip's not dead and she's not pining, and two they're getting back together, and we also find out that all this stuff that's happened using Dumont's um, you know Lost at Sea as the basis of a story turns it into a murder mystery novel. Um, along with that, with and then she writes a book, and then the family basically are set until the, is it the cruise business, I think, picks up again in the 70s. So we actually get a nice, like, bow on this one. (laughs) Yes, really well done, isn't it? Jenny writes a book, uh, it turns out to be a bestseller, yes, about this whole story. Yeah. And it supports them through their hard time. Because that was something else as well, wasn't it? If they had just, you know, okay, the wedding's stopped, Sam and Catherine live happily ever after, there we go, Sam leaps, that's the end. I would have been asking the question, so what, did the dad go and, did they end up bankrupt? Yeah, did he did... liquidation or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really well covered, I think, isn't it? It's yeah. We don't always get it, and sometimes it's you know you can use your imagination and all that kind of stuff. Excuse me, but um, it's not. It was nice because not only do we get, like I said, we also because again, the young sister is very a very likable character. Yes, even though her dad is a bit of a pompous douche in the beginning. Ultimately, he, you know, he's doing what he feels he, he needs to do to keep the family afloat, basically, like I said earlier in the episode. So, again, it was nice. And apparently I have six kids as well. So uh, Al's little comment, oh, you're going to be busy as if Sam's going to be there for that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but it's it's a good use of of Al and Ziggy and the fact that they are from the future because they do fill in all the gaps that they, they have six kids, the book and so on. And it, the only thing we don't find out about is Vincent, but that that's that's an afterthought for me everything else kind of falls into place for them so that's quite important and that's basically where where sam leaps isn't it yeah and we are basically out (laughs) Uh, he leaps into what effectively he leaps into what we see in the opening credits sam with a big black wig on a lady's top a cigarette in his mouth and then he starts walking around, tottering about in heels, complaining about being a woman again, and then looks in a broken mirror in this alleyway, streetway he, he has leapt into. And he looks more like a fella dressed as a woman in that brief glance. And that's the end of the episode. 
we know this leads into MIA, which is season two's um, conclusion. It's the finale of, of the second season of Quantum yeah. Leap. So, Benny, what were your thoughts when you saw this uh, little trailer for next week and memories of MIA before we go back, obviously, and, and give uh, the Sea Bride episode our usual rating? Um. I, I, I know, obviously, again, we've said it already in this episode, man, like this, this episode is very, again, there are similarities to our story, which we're about to find out in the season finale to a degree in terms of memories. Um, I remember more the owl portion of it. I don't necessarily remember the, the, st- the other side He's a cop, isn't he? I think undercover. So in terms of that opening scene, so in terms of what, I remember Sam has to do something, but it what Al tells him to do isn't right. And I don't want to go too much into it without, because we're going to talk about it obviously next week. So, um, so I remember a great deal, I guess, but also, like I said, more of the Al portion of it rather than what Sam is actually meant to be doing there. Right. Okay. I, uh, I remember the name MIA. And I kind of have that vibe of, you know, like, like you said about there's something to do with Al and his past and so on. But when I saw at the end of the episode, Sam leap into this undercover policeman dressed as uh, a lady. I, I, I couldn't remember that being the opening for MIA at all. And I went online to look at why we had a different leap on the end again, as we have done in previous episodes. I thought it was the wrong ending for the next episode, okay. if that makes sense. Okay. But when I looked into it, I couldn't find anything. So I actually pressed play on the DVD on MIA to see that that was the actual beginning of yeah. that episode. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Because the previous episode, we had a different... We had um, uh, Catch Falling Star, I think, didn't we? Which was That's right. season one. So, yeah, no, but this is right. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't... I had no memories of it whatsoever. So, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, I, like you said, I've kind of got the rough gist of what I think this is about. But it seems that the whole background of who Sam is and the scenario he finds himself in, I can't remember at all. So it's going to be interesting going back and watching this. Because, I mean, ultimately as well, we know as as, as Quantum Leap fans and anyone listening to the show who has seen the show before or knows anything about the, about the TV programme, MIA is one of those that... It is always very highly ranked when it comes to people talking about their favorite episodes. And I believe it was one that you put forward right at the beginning of our project here on The Waiting Room as one that you were looking forward to seeing yourself, Benny. So I'm really looking forward to getting into next week. This this episode, um, look, well, we're about to go into MIA, which is the season finale of this podcast as well for season two. And, all, you know, what you know, it's a bit of a long time coming. Um, but... It doesn't. It plays a big part. Not only again, we've just watched Sea Bride, and for me, it is definitely foreshadowing MIA. Then MIA plays a massive part going forward into the um, to the core of the Quantum Leap story, which leads all the way to the end of this particular season. You know, obviously the, this series into season five. So this episode is a very important part going forward. Not necessarily straight away. I mean, there, I mean, if I remember rightly, there's an offhand comment at some point, and 
um, again, I'll, I'll mention it next week because I can't, I don't want to give it away, obviously. But my point is, this is like a, apart from for Al, this is a very core episode of what, how this whole adventure kind of finishes. Not including the new series, obviously, because I've not seen any of that yet. But in terms of the the original run, this is a I can't say it any better than uh, is like a big moment which we won't get a payoff for for another couple of seasons, <laughs> if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, but before we do, we need to uh, sort of summarize our thoughts and give our usual uh, out of five rating for this episode. So, Benny. Seabroid out of five and and your general summary of what we've seen this week um do you know what i know we, again i've said we say this so much but like there's obviously the classics jimmy color of truth all that kind of stuff kamikaze kid there's episodes yet to come leap home is gonna be i can't wait for that i'm 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 as excited as i was when we started this adventure talking about waiting uh, a quantum leap sorry the waiting room podcast um I was so excited to talk Genesis and although the episodes have been bloody brilliant, I'm very excited to get on to season three, especially the first two episodes because they are monumental in Sam's personal um, life, I guess. But I think the sea bride one here, maybe it's because I've now see it slightly differently, but I was already, when I, after I watched it, I was, I watched them and I was thinking, what, what score would I give that? And I was going to say a solid four, to be honest, great story. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say minimum or anything like that, but like just a bloody great story. But to be honest, after talking to yourself, I honestly think this is an underrated episode and I am actually going to give it a five out of five to be fair. Oh, why? Okay. Right up there then. Right up there. Um, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I really, really enjoyed this. I remembered it being good, but I couldn't tell you why before we watched it and now i've watched it back i would happily go back and watch this again i would recommend this to people to watch as well if they if they were sort of dipping in and out of quantum leap i really enjoyed it um i didn't think i was going to score it as highly as i am but having watched it back and enjoyed it as much as i did i'm giving it a four and a half uh it's bloody brilliant to get a four and a half but i know there's going to be things ever so slightly better coming up but still I can't dispute your rating either because it is a really, really good episode that, like you said, I think does kind of go under the radar a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, if you at the start of this whole thing, we started, to, we we chose episodes, and I haven't got the the DVDs or the list in front of me, but I can name off a few straight away. In Sea Bride, I got a funny feeling we didn't even mention. I, no, I, I don't I, think so. I remember maybe I I think I may have said like, oh, this was quite a good one, but in terms of Jimmy, Color of Truth, I've already said Kamikaze Kid, Leap Home, MIA, and there are a few later on as well. Um, the trilogy episodes are good as well later on. I think that's like season five, but yeah, I think now I might have to update my list and, uh, put, um, see, bride on there. To be honest, it was a, uh, maybe it's cause I'm getting older, a bit more sentimental. Maybe I don't know, but it's definitely a bloody good episode. It is very, very good indeed. So there we go. One more episode MIA in season two of quantum leap. I'm looking forward to covering it next week with your good self, Benny. But before we get there, can you let everybody know whereabouts they can find you and all the great shows and content you are involved in, please. Uh, to be honest, it's all moving very much towards SJP Raw Media, let's face it, at SJP Raw Media on Twitter, Facebook, and all the other places. Myself personally, at Benny Mac, 
B-E-Triple-M-Y-M-A-C-K. We got um, Gameplay Junkies obviously going on with the, the game talk uh, in the corner I do. Uh, and I have Tyler who's becoming more of a, or is almost like a co-host now, resident of the actual In the Corner show. Um, um, a Paranormal Junkie is, you know, it is coming, but it, this that's definitely a show that when I do episodes, I want them to be as perfect as I can get them. So they're only going to be like every month, you know, once a month, maybe more. Again, it depends on who I've got available and what um, time I have to dive into a subject. Because I want to, if I do it, I want to try and cover it as best I can. So I don't want to just be like, yeah, that happened and that was scary. But I, I want it to be entertaining and, you know, maybe even like some stories where people don't even know what, never even heard of that before and want to maybe follow up with their own research after. So I want to make sure that I do it justice is probably the best way of saying it. So, yeah, that's fair enough. mate. That's fair enough. Um, and if I'm involved in like, well, like Benny just mentioned, you can find via the network that carries this show at SJP world media on Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast players, platforms and providers That's at SJP world media. But for this show itself, you can find this on Facebook and Twitter at waiting room pod underscore. Make sure you're checking us a follow a subscribe and all that's great stuff. Uh, if you're listening to the waiting room via its own particular stream, its own particular uh, Spotify link and so on, the main stream for the SJP World Media Network also carries the episodes of The Waiting Room as they drop, same day, same time, etc. But every other show is on there as well. All shows have their own, I suppose, channel or stream separately. So if you're only interested in uh, Quantum Leap, you can listen to just this. But if you want to d- dip your toe into anything else we do, uh, the Doctor Who pod, some wrestling content, some TV content, nostalgia-based stuff, and all that great stuff there, you can listen to The Waiting Room via the mainstream, the main channel, and then just listen on to whatever else is coming out that week. And, you you know, you've got the option to listen to everything or pick and choose. And then, by all means, via Twitter and Facebook, at SJP World Media and at Waiting Room Pod underscore, give us your feedback on what you like, what you dislike, and so on. But that's the best way of listening to anything I'm involved in, and I guess anything Benny's involved in too, my friend. SJP World Media. Taking over there we the world slowly. <laughs> yeah, there we go there we go uh, i'm looking forward to next week bird this week has been a blast and i will chat to you in seven days time it's time to leap out mate